Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This week on The Takeout, NBA player Enes Kanter on how his life of activism has brought him into jeopardy with the Turkish government. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Major Garrett, yes, CBS, yes, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's The Takeout. Major. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major, that's nonsense. Major Garrett. And you should know better. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett, host of this amazing program known as The Takeout, where each and every week we are two things principally. What are those two things? Relentlessly curious, steadfastly non-ideological. And I want to, as this new year dawns, 2020, thank our audience, nearly 60 radio stations around the country and adding radio stations all the time. We have a couple of announcements coming I'm very excited about. More details on that later. Our podcast platform, those who originally found this show, God love you. Thank you for joining us. And of course, our audience on CBSN. You're the hardest working people in the media. Why? Because you listen to different topics and different voices from different perspectives. And we are not regimented ideologically here, which means you have to adjust. You've got to listen to the right and the left and everything in between. And sometimes you have to take a little journey with us, which is what we're going to do this week. We're going to have a conversation that is kind of at the intersection of a lot of interesting things, or things that certainly interest me. Sports, politics, diplomacy, autocracy, free speech, harassment, jailing, fear, persecution. All of that and much more is part of the life being lived today, right now, by our special guest. I'm going to bring him to the microphone right now. His name is Ennis Cantor. If you're a follower of the National Basketball Association, the association henceforth, you know he is a center for the Boston Celtics and has had a formidable career in the association. He's also the target of a pretty aggressive campaign of harassment that's affected his family, affects him on a daily basis, in some cases makes it difficult for him to travel internationally, even when he's doing his job in the NBA. We're going to talk about all of that and activism, sports, politics, diplomacy, the whole thing. Ennis, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys for the invite. I appreciate it. Good. So let's start. So help my audience learn a little bit about you. Um, let me just ask you a couple of basic questions. Okay. Uh, where did you grow up? And what is your relationship to your life and your family's life in Turkey? So I actually did not born in Turkey. I was born in Switzerland. Right. My dad was doing his master in Switzerland, and I was born there. And I only stayed there for nine months. I wish I stayed there longer so I learned uh, another you know, language. But uh, and then I moved to Turkey when I was nine, month, uh, nine months, and then I've been, I, I lived in Turkey since I was uh, 17 years old. And when did you start playing basketball? I actually wanted to be a soccer player. Okay. Well, it didn't really work. I, I was a tallest in my class. I was very, very slow. I was very big. 
And, um, you know, I started playing basketball. I started pretty late when I was 13, 14 years old. You know, I just, I was like, you know, soccer is not working for me mm-hmm. very well. So I'm just going to start a sport that I'm really good at, you know, because of my height. And so I started playing basketball when I was uh, 14 years old. And you became very good very quickly. You have a stellar career as a mm-hmm. junior player, not right. only in Turkey, but in the European You know, my it, it was funny. Tournaments. I, the, one of the reasons that I started very late because my family didn't really want me to play basketball. Because, I mean, they were all about education. They said, go to school, don't play no any sports, just school and school work. Till I got my first check, and then my dad is like, <laughs> and then my dad is like, all right, just just keep playing basketball, you know. Something about that first check gains right. people's attention. <laughs> yes, you and your family. It was pretty funny. You mentioned education. I want you to add, tell our audience what is your religious faith and what is Hizmet and who is Fatula Gulen. Mm-hmm. So I am I am uh, my Muslim, and what Hizmet, you know, a lot of people are asking what Hizmet is. Uh, first of all, is is a Turkish word. If you translate to English, it means service. So this is how I will explain hizmet. It's, uh, I will explain with uh, three things. Secular education, poverty elevation, and, and social harmony around the globe. And uh, who, who, who is Mr. Fetzlak Gulen is? You know, he follows a Sufi uh, tradition. And um, what he believes is his ideology. And his, you know, he believes that we have a big... A problem happening. A lot of problems are happening in our century, and we can cure this problem with education. So he believes that you know, uh, you know, instead of going out there and building mosques and stuff, if you go out there and building you know schools, dormitories, and universities, and, and educate people, and people can have uh, a better future, brighter future, and people can make their own de- decisions. So this movement, the Hizmet movement, uh, has uh, school over 170 countries in the world, and. You know, I, I, and these have been schools created by people who are followers. I've yes. read interviews with Mr. Gulen, right. and he said, I didn't make these schools. Oh, no, he did not. I created an idea. People took it yep. for themselves, and they've made schools close to where they live. And it's just his um, ideas. And these schools, for, uh, these schools are not just for Muslim people. I mean, you are Christian, you're Jewish, you believe in God, you don't believe in God. You can go to schools and learn about math and science, n- nothing about religion. And, um, and how would you describe the intensity or the rigor of these schools what do you mean uh, are they tough is it is it a hard, harsh hard curriculum is you have to pay, pay attention you do have with? to pay attention very well i mean i will, i went to those schools since uh you know uh, second grade and you have to really, really pay attention because those are math and science and i hate math <laughs> i would hate to say that but uh, <laughs> i hate math so i had to really really pay attention to what was going on but his ideology his idea was you know, one thing really, you know, that amazed me was, you know, he told me one day, he said, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter what your religion or your culture or wherever you're from. The most important thing in life is leave your differences on the table and trying to find what we have in common. Mm-hmm. And one question he always just try to answer is, how can we make this world better together? So many in my audience might have heard of Muslim schools, uh, madrasas, that are sort of places that are indoctrination. You would say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that this is very different from that, almost the direct opposite of that. Agree, yes. Because, I mean, like you said, when you say a Muslim uh, schools, like you say, it's like a madrasa, they only... Uh, it's only boy, uh, boys, or it's only girls' schools. 
and uh, they taught it's like it's heavily as a uh, religious schools but these schools are like i said again i mean you don't believe in god you believe in god it's all about math and science it's about going out there and and l- learning and, and uh, finding the answer that how can we make this you know life better so my audience might be asking itself right now so what's the problem okay there is a problem mm-hmm. fatula gulen and president erdogan of turkey are right. intense rivals have been for many years and that rivalry is now visited upon your li- daily life. Yep. Help my audience understand some of that. So I've been going to this school since uh, second grade, right? I moved to America when I was uh, 17 years old. And, you know, till I would say till 17 years old, I ha- I hated politics. I did not want to get in politics. And I, it was just, uh, for me, it was just all about, like, going out there and lying to people. Lying to That's what politics face. was. Yeah, there you go. Lying to people's face. And whoever have like, the, the, the who can trash talk the better, Get all the votes. Who can street fight a bit better gets all the votes. You know, I, I just hated politics. I had not, nothing to do with it. But uh, I remember it was back in 2013, first time, and uh, I remember there was a, a corruption uh, happened in Turkey, and President Erdogan and his family was involved in that uh, corruption. And uh, you know, after that, he stopped uh, jailing police, journalists. He stopped, uh, j- you know, jailing, you know, prosecutors and judges. I'm like, okay, this is there's something going on, and this is not right. And then after that, he's he was going out there, and uh, he was going out there, and you know, just uh, started to uh, shut down the schools, dormitories, and universities for for the first time. I'm like. I don't care. It doesn't. I don't care if you're like the president of the world. If you are fighting against education, that is not acceptable. And that was the first time I remember I tweet something, and said, you know, uh, edu- how important education is. Just education is, and just because of I was an NBA player, it went viral. It went viral, right? Because you were an NBA player for right. the first time. Yep. And that brought you into the crosshairs, metaphorically of the Erdogan regime. We'll get to more of that in the second segment of The Takeout. Mark, uh, if you're still here, I, over my shoulder, if you have, there you go. We're at Bourbon Steak, by the way, which is a fantastic oh, yeah. steak restaurant here at the Four Seasons Hotel in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. So we're going to order now, and Mark will expedite that uh, delivery, I hope, soon. Can I have the 18-ounce bone-in New York, please? Oh, wow. Uh, medium, just slightly more than medium. I like to call it medium plus. Medium plus? Yes. Not medium well. Just a teeny bit more than medium. A little more than a rosy center. Yes, correct. And uh, sides, uh, Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, please. Let me just get the straight artichoke. You can have some of my Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. Back for segment two in just a second. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. We are in Romania, and they said they canceled my passport by a Turkish embassy. The reason behind it is just, of course, my political views. And the guy who did it is, you know, the Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkish uh, Turkey. 
you know, you know, just you guys know him by, you know, he's attacked the people in uh, Washington. He's a bad, bad man. He's a dictator and he's the uh, Hitler of our century. All right. That's the voice of our special guest this week here on The Takeout, Ennis Cantor. NBA player for many teams, currently with the Boston Celtics in town because they're going to play the Washington Wizards in the not-too-distant future. When we went out of segment one, we talked about his blossoming into politics in 2013. What you just heard is something he posted on his Twitter account May 20th, 2017. So he spent some time talking about politics, criticizing the Erdogan government, the Erdogan regime in the eyes of many. I think Ennis would have called it that. And he was in Romania because he had to flee a basketball camp he was conducting in Indonesia when he got word that the Turks were after him. Mm-hmm. And just pick the story up from there. So like it's so you guys know the Romania side but there is actually a, a story be, before Romania. I was in Indonesia doing my basketball camps, you know, and uh, I remember uh, I was in my hotel room 2.30 a.m. My manager knocked my door. I opened the door. I was like, what happened? He's like, come to my room. We need to talk. So I went to his room. Uh, he said, uh, I told him, like, what happened? He said, uh, I had a basketball clinic in that school. They said there were some people just came to that school. And I asked him, like, who are those people? He said, we have no idea. But we need to get out of this country because it could get very ugly because Turkish government sometimes work with this, like, countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, Bosnia, to, to you know, just sometimes kidnap people. And there's been lots of, you know, uh, reports out there and send them back, send them back to Turkey. And I'm like, okay. We look at the flights. First flight was 5.30 a.m. to Singapore. We get in that flight. We literally escaped the country. And then we landed in Singapore. And we called our local guy. I was like, who are those people? They say, you guys are very lucky to uh, live in the country because those people were intelligence service and army to take you guys away. So we literally escaped the country at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. This almost feels a little bit like a movie. Oh, yeah. Have you ever watched a movie called Argo? Oh, yes, sir. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, exactly. I watched that movie. I'm like, that is me out there. Yeah. I swear. And then I, and then we landed in land, and then we went to R- R- Romania. And then this is what happens. I give my passport to the, uh, you know, uh, this uh, passport lady. She looked for five, ten minutes, and then she said, "Hold on a second. She went, she, she went back, came with the police, and said, um, "Your your, process, your passport has been canceled." I'm like, for what? What happened? Is like. We have no idea, but if you want to learn, you can call the embassy. I'm like, those are the people that who canceled my passport. I cannot call them and say, oh, you, why did you You guys? knew by then, oh, standing yeah. there, that the Turkish oh, yeah. government and Erdogan had done this. Oh, for sure. And then there's all this, like, the, the news. Oh, we are bringing in as and it's about to come. We uh, we just, you know, there was all kind of, like, the Turkish news out there to, you know, just uh, to scare people uh, my side. So, and then I'm like, you know what? This is crazy. Uh, only... You know, my the the police order said you guys have two hours to leave this uh, country because we don't have an American passport, and they could have sent us back to uh, Turkey, deport us back to Turkey, mm-hmm. and then in two hours we found a flight over London to New York, right? And uh, we get in that flight, we landed in London. Just to underscore and remind the audience, you're an NBA player at this time. Oh yeah, you're you're not yes. just Ennis Cantor citizen. You are an NBA player. When With I, a platform and a visibility oh, yeah. and a good stat line, check it out, folks. His stat line is impressive. Almost double double. <laughs> but and then uh, so I la- I landed. But same time, I was getting all these text messages from my teammates, from senators, from congressmen and congresswomen, from my teammates, my coaches, all these people. Right. So we landed in London. We we're gonna go over London 
to uh, you know New York. We landed in London. The captain announced and said nobody gets up, right? So they opened the door. There's these two police with the machine guns came came in through a, a plane. So they're going right, they're going left. So they they trying to find somebody. My manager said if they came for us, it's over. We're going back to Turkey, right? So after like 10-15 minutes, they took uh, they took uh, somebody else out. So it was not us. It was not for us. Did you think it was you? I thought it was us. It was me and my manager right next to me. I thought it was me. And um, and then we missed our New York flight. So, so we tell this. So the lady is like telling us, the ticket lady is like, you guys missed the flight. The next flight to New York is the next day. So take this hotel key, go to the hotel, and come back the next thing. Go to plane, but go, 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 go to New York. But we couldn't tell her we are international criminals. Or the whole the lot of like fugitives. Yes. The whole country is looking for, for, for us. They're after us. So he said, no, no, we good. She's like, you good? What do you mean? It's like, we're going to s- uh, sleep in the uh, airport uh, tonight. She was, <laughs> she was so like, she's like, what a weirdos. Right. You know what I mean? But so we slept at the airport the next day. Cause Might I, have been the first time an NBA player willingly and oh voluntarily slept in an airport. <laughs> so and then the next day, so we don't have we still don't have a passport, right? Right. So how are we gonna fly? So there's I remember there I still remember there's one guy, very serious guy, jacket, literally like a gla- Harry Potter glasses. It's like a very serious guy. He's like, give me your green card. So I give my green card. He took some notes, called some people. He said, go ahead. Later on, we learned that he's from Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we good. And then there was no problem. We get in the flight. We took off and we landed in New York. I'm like, this is home. You know, I'm not living here ever again. Really? Yep. Never again, and I have. And then uh, I you probably not, felt more like an American that day than ever. Oh before. yeah, what well, like when when I when you land America, you're like, wow, this feels like home. It's a different place. Oh my gosh, yes. So uh, that's a harrowing story, and I have every confidence that my audience is, if not on the edge of their seats, nearer to it when the segment started. What is it about you that so? In either captivates or enrages the right. Turkish government. So, I mean, lots of people talk about these issues, but they either in jail or they don't have this platform, right? So, Turkey is the number one country in, a, in the world that put most journalists in jail, more yes. than more than China, over yes. one uh, over three hundred and fifteen journalists, also something like that. So, if you are you, they either like Turkish government either scare them and say, hey, if you talk about these issues. Even if you're outside of Turkey, we're going to put your family members in jail. So you better k- k- keep yourself uh, silenced. Or, you know, they just they they just don't have that platform. So just because of, I play an NBA, right? I play an NBA. I have this huge platform. I'm trying to use this platform to be voice of all those innocent people who don't have one. So when I tweet something, when I talk about some of the issues, when I, um, I don't know, when I come to D.C. here and, and, and talk talk with the politicians, it becomes a conversation. It, be, it goes viral everywhere, Turkish news, American news, or, and uh, all about the U- European news. So that's why they're scared. And they're literally trying to do everything to silence me. What has happened to your family as a result of this? Of course, and I'm, your relationship with your family. Right. So, well, of course, when I talk about these issues, it affected me and my family. I remember, you know, last time I saw my family was 2015. And um, I think it was 2016 that was, a, you know, uh, after the coup attempt. Um, that was the last time I talked to my family. And I remember uh, just because of, 
it affected my family so much. My dad was a genetic professor. He got fired from his job. And my sister went to medical school for six years. Now she cannot find a job because she carried the last name with me. My little, little brother, he he was he trying to play basketball in Turkey, but he got kicked out in every team because of his last name. Because of his, his yeah, brother. Because, because of his brothers. And uh, so this stuff kept happening, and my family had to put a statement out there and said, we are disowning Ennis. And they made it publicly. It was all over the news. I remember. So your family put out a statement, and you, I assume, believe it was under pressure. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. To disown you. Yes. And it was. And that's I, wielded by the Turkish I, government. Oh, yeah. And I still remember, I, I still have the, 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 if you go on the internet, you can see like my, my dad's uh, letter. And then like he wrote all that stuff. And in, in the end, he said, we are disowned in this. And the Turkish government didn't believe in that. So after that statement, my, the Turkish government sent police to my house in Turkey and they raided the whole house. They took every electronics away. Phones, computers, laptops. They wanted to see if I am still in contact with my family or not. And if they were to see any text message, any email, any missed call or anything, they will be all in jail. And they actually took my dad, dad in jail for uh, seven days after the uh, raided. And then... Uh, and then, then let we, him go. Then we put so much pressure from here to Turkey. All the politicians, all all the you know the celebrities who has a platform, put so much pressure from here to Turkey. They let him go. That's the voice of Ennis Cantor, our special guest. I'm Major Garrett. This is the Takeout Segment Three from Bourbon Steak in just a second. From CBS News, this is the Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. Great to have you with us, radio listeners, podcast subscribers, and of course, CBSN. Always great to have you with us. Ennis Cantor is our special guest center for the Boston Celtics. Longtime NBA player. I said check out the stat line. Really check it out. It's impressive, especially for someone who plays center in the association who's 6'10". 6'11". Oh. With, with the shoes on. That, with the shoes on. Okay, great. <laughs> but that's still slightly undersized for yes. NBA centers. Right. So uh, rebounds and block shots and points, he has it covered. So, Ennis, I want to ask you, because when we played that soundbite of the thing you put on your Twitter feed from Romania, you right. called President Erdogan of Turkey the Hitler of our century. You will appreciate that many in my audience consider that a very heavyweight, almost totally exclusive designation that there right. is no other Hitler that there are no other Hitlers and Hitler is Hitler right and right. should be thought of as right. Hitler and no one should be compared to Hitler unless you have some substantial body of evidence give us your interpretation it's like it's, of course it might be a little heavy you're right but I will, I will just say this you know I'm just this guy threatens the whole Europe and say uh, we have three or four million refugees and if you just go, if you guys don't listen to what i have to say i'm gonna let all the refugees go now the whole european all european countries really are like scared of him because he threatens the whole europe and there right now there are seventeen thousand innocent women are in jail and if you look at all the reports amnesty international human rights Watch, human rights foundation they've been getting tortured they've been getting raped and a lot of people are getting you know just kidnapped outside of uh, jails and then right now, uh, I think over 1,000 babies are in the jail growing up in jails with their mother. And in Turkey? In Turkey. Oh, yeah, in, in Turkey. And um, like we already talked about the uh, journalists. And, um, you know, lots of, uh, I think it was like over 300 media that are shut down. So in, in Turkey, if, if you 
are talking about anything against the regime or government, then you know what, you're enemy, you're terrorist, and you're a bad guy. It doesn't, you cannot, you know, talk about none of these issues. And it didn't start this way. It uh, did not. With Erdogan. Nope. Uh, and there is and has been, and I don't want to overly dwell on this, but I do want to touch upon it. Turkey has been this place where the West and NATO has had great high hopes yes. about this being a secular bulwark. Muslim, yes, but also secular, intellectual, right. cultural, and this place of West and East right. or Christianity and, and uh, Islam meeting and reconciling. Yep. It has a history like that. And the idea of Turkish nationalism kind of embraced that a little bit. And mm-hmm. Erdogan seemed to embrace that early right. on. And Gulan, who we talked about in segment one, and Erdogan were at one time allies. Right. And it's all sort of fallen apart. And right. Erdogan has become this increasingly autocratic, iron-fisted figure. I will say this. You're right. Turkey could be a bridge of Islam and West. And but just, just because of all that stuff's going on in Turkey right now, it's impossible. And then, you know, I do a lot of interviews and a lot of podcasts and stuff, and people are telling me this a lot. You know, once Mr. Gulen Erdogan was ally in France. I, I don't think they were never friends. Never friends. Okay. So they only met twice. I remember the, the first time they met was when Erdogan was about to create a party in Turkey, mm-hmm. and he went to Mr. Gulen and asked for his advice. Right. And then the second one, there was a big uh, soccer uh, charity game happened in Bosnia, and there was Erdogan and Mr. Gulen was sitting next to each other, and the press took that picture and literally used it almost every year and right. said they are friends. Okay. But I don't, I remember a lot of interviews of Mr. Gulen, you know, uh, to talk about, said, they said, you know, they were never allies, uh, they were n- never friends before. Understood. And it's worth pointing out that the coup you made reference to, right. and no one really knows if it was a full-on coup, if there was really an attempt to overthrow the Erdogan regime. There, there is some speculation you can find on the internet that it was an in-house thing meant to create political instability, and then through that instability, Erdogan says, hey, look how unstable things are. I've got to be more aggressive, more autocratic. He blames publicly Gulan, who lives in Pennsylvania, by right. the way. Right. Uh, he has a compound uh, in rural Pennsylvania. And that is also part of this whole story mm-hmm. with you, your yes. family, and how you live your daily life. Right. I'll tell you something interesting. That cool night, I was with Mr. Gulen. Okay. That night, I was with Mr. Gulen. I remember it was July 15, 2016. That night, I was with Mr. Gulen. And why were you there? I go there in summertime, probably once every three, four weeks. Okay. You know, just go there. Because, I mean, I cannot go to Turkey. So, when I go there, it's like... It's like it's like a family, you know. Like you know, the respect the people have each other, the love, or like the Turkish food, the Turkish culture. You know, don't, don't get me wrong, America been amazing, but you still wanna, you know, talk to your own language, have Turkish food, have that like you know home feeling. Yeah. You know, so I go there once every three, three, four weeks. So that night I was with Mr. Gulen. I remember he he was sitting on his chair. And one of his followers, one of his students, brought the news and said there was a coup attempt happening in Turkey. And I saw him. He was shocked. And I remembered immediately he he brought all his uh, followers and students in a room, and they all started praying for Turkey. And I... I mean, I watched very closely what, what was happening that night. 
and I saw what Mr. Gulen did. I saw what his followers did. I saw what his, he did not look like he was orchestrating a quit attempt. And later, 45 minutes later after the quit attempt, when Erdogan came out and say, oh, you know, he blamed, when he blamed the Gulen woman, I'm like, are you kidding me? I was with Mr. Gulen that night and I saw what he did with my own eyes. So I have to say something about that. So that's why I, I, I did a lot of, you know, interviews about it. I, I did a lot of, you know, podcasts about it. I'm like, I told people like, hey, I was with that guy. I wasn't next to him that night. And I saw what he did. He was, he and Erdogan scapegoated him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So uh, in Washington, D.C., not so long ago, right. uh, there was uh, an Erdogan visit. And mm-hmm. outside the Turkish embassy, there were some people peacefully protesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those working for Erdogan ran across the street. Right. It's all on videotape, people. Go to YouTube. You can find it all over the place. And beat them up. Beat them up in the streets of Washington, D.C. Right. With full impunity. A sense that they were untouchable. They've since been indicted. They're not extradited, but they've at least been charged right. criminally. And I want to play a soundbite. Jamie, this is number four of, I believe, uh, yes, it is, uh, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat, talking about that attack. That's four. Less than two years ago, Erdogan gave the go-ahead for security detail to brutally attack nonviolent demonstrators right here in the nation's capital. That assault, to emphasize the point, took place right here on American soil. Right here. Right here, just a short walk from the White House. Americans ought to be outraged over this sort of behavior, especially from a supposed friend and ally like Turkey. Now look, I don't want to overdramatize this, folks. Right. If you go on a video, you can watch on YouTube, you can see it. In the history, the repellent world history of thuggery, it doesn't rate near the top. But it's thuggish enough, and it is highly unusual for Washington, D.C. to be visited with that kind of thuggery outside an embassy when peaceful protesters are literally being chased across the street, kicked and beaten because they're protesting a visiting head of state. I mean, weigh in. So, like, this is what I was trying to tell people. There was uh, those were some Kurdish peaceful protesters, you know, and um this is what happens in Turkey every time when someone tries to protest. This is daily they, life they, in Turkey. Oh, yeah. So a, a lot of American people were shocked. I'm like, hey, this is happening in Turkey every day. And uh, I was trying to tell people, like, look, this is what's, ha- this is what's happening in, uh, in D.C. in front of the whole world's eyes. Think about what he's doing behind the curtains to all these you know, uh, people who are against him. So for me, when I watched it, because like, in the end, he represents, the Erdogan represents the... Turkey, you know, and what he did here, it just hurt hurt my heart because, like, I don't want my country to look bad. You know, now everybody in D.C., everybody on on America was saying, oh, yeah, you guys are thugs. I'm like, hey, it was not, it's not everybody like that. You know, that's Erdogan and his regime is. But it just, that definitely made me very sad because those were some Kurdish you know, peaceful protesters. And that's the voice of Ennis Cantor, our very special guest. Bourbon Steak is our wonderful host for this episode. Uh, his Atlantic char has arrived. Ennis's, my beautiful New York strip steak has arrived. That's good news. Back for segment four in just a second.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. I have to just finish by saying that the president and I have been We've been very good friends. We've been friends for a long time, almost from day one. And uh, we understand each other's country. We understand where we're coming from. I understand uh, the problems that they've had, including many people from Turkey being killed in the area that we're talking about. And he has to do something about that also. It's not a one-way street. That's the voice of uh, President Donald Trump, November thirteenth, 2019. Our special guest, Ennis Cantor, Boston Celtic Center. NBA player of accomplishment, a political activist, and um, essentially a stateless, countryless person, although you right. embrace America as your home country, and um, I believe you are would hope someday to become a citizen of the United States? I am actually a green card holder. You're a green card holder, am, which is part of the process. Yes, You're moving I'm, ever closer. I'm becoming an American citizen in 2021. There we go. I'm very excited about it. So, Ennis, give me a reaction to what you just heard. I know you know that sound, right? I oh, know yeah. you saw the whole meeting. Right. The, the orientation of this <clears throat> president to President Erdogan. The day before the, that meeting, I was in D.C., meeting with lots of people. And, you know, a lot of people told me that, you know, it's just, it just heartbreaking. And you know, that's my idea, too, when... You know, President of the United States meeting with, uh, you know, people like uh, dictators like President Erdogan. It just breaks my heart. But you know what? I mean, in the end, of course, I cannot control uh, President uh, Trump. But uh, I will. I wish I can just sit down and have a, a talk with him about what's going on over there. And I hope he knows about it. Well, if you did have a talk with him, I imagine among the things you would raise with him is, you know, your first national security advisor, Michael Flynn, Yes. Did not disclose that he was a lobbyist for the Turkish yep. government. And his personal attorney, still Rudy Giuliani, recommended that the president hand you over yes, to the Turkish I, regime. I heard about that. And I heard, you know, many times the Turkish government and they asked the American government to extradite me and Mr. Gulen back to Turkey. But, you know, I'll just laugh at that because, like, the, the reason I'm laughing at this is because I don't even have a parking ticket in the U.S. You know, there are rules and laws, and there are checks and balances in America. And I don't think it's, it's going to happen. Like I'm, I'm, I'm an NBA basketball player, and all I'm trying to do is, you know, just go out there. And, you know, the Turkish government calls me terrorist, and I, I say this every time. Only thing I terrorize is the basketball rims. You know, that's it. So let's go to that. I want to ask you just a little bit about your life in the association. Um, <clears throat> how great is it to go on a, a court as a player in the NBA? Ooh, it's <clears throat> not with all the social media is actually very tough because you get a, you get dunked on you got block shots <laughs> it's all over you watch yourself on right yes like, there, oh. there, there was a phrase back in the day oh he was posterized but you had to wait to see if a poster would actually be made of it to there see you if go, you were actually, posterized yep. no waiting anymore oh my God. you're instantaneously posterized especially like now it's my ninth year I know how to how to deal with I know how to deal with with the hate you know I'm, I'm saying hate is gonna hate but I remember my first year <laughs> my second year my third year as soon as the game over right I was going to Twitter see what people said. I was reading all the comments, and, you know, some of the comments are very, very, you know, they sit down on their ma- mother's basement and they write comments. You know, they, 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 <laughs> Always the mother's haters. basement, yes. You know, they, 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 Never they, the they, attic. Yes. Always the basement. 
they just hate us. But I just I know how to deal with them. But like my first, of course, my second, my third, my first three year, of course, I was like, you know, they, they, it was affecting me. Now I'm trying to tell the rookies, I'm like, hey, you have a bad game, do not go. I, Screen I saw, it out. Screen I it out. I saw some, you know, you know. Don't players, drench yourself in the criticism. Right, I saw some players that goes to Twitter in halftime and see what people <laughs> say. I'm like, dude, are you serious? Like, game is we gotta game have a second. Going. Yes. yes, like yes. you go into a Twitter and say, okay, what people are saying about me in right. halftime. Like that's gonna take your focus away, man. Right. Just focus on what you need to focus on. Right. So why is it in the association that every team goes on a run once in a game? I mean, it's like you can go by, yeah. by 20 and suddenly the yeah. team will go on a run. And then it's, they have a 16-point run and it's now a four-point game. The, what, what is the flow of the NBA yeah. game? How, how, does that fee, how does that play out? I, you know, I feel like when you like, once you started to like, like be up on like 20, 25 you know, NBA games, <laughs> you have to finish. When you hear the buzzer, that's when the game is over, you right. know. You cannot relax. I remember when I was with Oklahoma City, we were up against Golden State 3-1. And we're like, you know what? We got this. It, yes, the series over. Series. Oh yeah, series over. We go in the finals. Four three. Four three. Done. I was like, wow, this is a huge. Le- the lesson hurt, but it was a huge lesson for right. us. Right. That you got to play every game through. Yep. And every, every game is like game seven. Right. And and when you have a lead, don't sleep on it. Oh no, don't sleep. Don't give them no life. That's what we say on the bench. Don't, don't give, give them, them no life. life. There you go. So how physical is the game? Because Americans would think to themselves, well, the physical sports in America are, well, football and then hockey. That's sort of a hybrid American sport. But on the NBA, that's just basketball. No. Oh, my God. No, especially if you're playing a big man. It's it's which tough. is all you do. That's your day. Oh, yeah. That's your day the, job. Big it's man. It's tough. It's like it's like going to rebounds, run up and downs, and you know just get hit by the screens. And it's it's tough because I'm especially when you like when you're like over over like seven foot, six eleven, seven foot, and when you have all this you know weights, you know you put so much pressure on your knees, on your back, on your you know it's so so much pressure. And then uh, when someone hits you, like you feel it. I remember a lot of after the game, you f- I feel like I got hit b- by a bus. You know, I can hardly walk and stuff. But you know, that's what you know. The treatments are important. The sleep is important. Your nutrition is right. very important. So right. it just do your. It's, it's not. It's not just people think like. It's not just for only like two, three hours a day. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty-four hours thing. You know, you have to eat what, what you eat, what you how you sleep, everything. When you think of your game, and when you think of how your coach thinks about your game, is it more points or rebounds? I'll say that they want they want me to rebound more because right. we have a lot of players that are gonna go out there and score the ball. But right now, for us to get to the next level is rebounding. You know, special offensive and defensive rebounding right. because that's what it really blocking out. There you making go. sure you get the ball. There you go. Yep. Hand it off to the points. It's, it's very very important, man. But you put points in. <laughs> I I do because I mean I, I, my trade my teammates uh, trust me a lot. You know that that gives me a lot of confidence and I feel very uh, comfortable out there. When you put when you play actually like, players like you know Kemba Walker, Tatum, and you know Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown, those are the type of players that make themselves better and make everybody else better around them. That's what makes him really special. When you think to yourself the best players in the association who are they right now um Giannis hmm. has got to be one of them I was, you know, I, would say, I was gonna say LeBron but LeBron. like you know I, I will say you know just I think like the you know the players like Giannis is taking over now Kawhi Leonard is gonna take over now. you know like in in few years Luca's gonna take over Luke, oh, really? Luca yeah I, I think those are the players that like you know coming really hot James Harden obviously mm-hmm. score obviously. machine 
And um, obviously, I'm when Kevin Dranke can come back. I think he's going to be very special. But so like, is the game too much defined by the three pointer? See, like the, the, the I think Warriors just changed the whole game. Winning championships oh, will yeah. do that. Oh yeah, because I, b- before it was all about like you know the big men's back to basket players, you know jump shots. Now. You know the staff and Clay, and now now Katie just changed the whole game. Now you see like all like the, I, I do a lot of basketball camps, and they do not want to. Kids want to. Oh my god! Shoot the three all day, all day. <laughs> they say Steph, they say Clay, say KD, shoot, shoot, shoot. I'm you're like, like no bounce passes. Yes, break to the net. Right. You know, work uh, your screen. I had like really, no, no, give me the ball, give me the right. rock. I want to. I had a, you know, you're going to be shocked. I had a really good conversation with Reggie Miller. I mean, he's one of the best. One of the greatest three, oh, yeah. perimeter shooters in the they history said, of the association. I, I saw him in Hawaii. I was like, what are you doing here? I, I told him, he's like, I'm going to go to a basketball camp. He said, teach him how to do fundamental. Don't just make him take threes. Go to layups and, you know, there's other stuff. Because exactly. they all want to take threes. That's great. That's Ennis Cantor, our special guest. Stay tuned for the Takeout Outtake Especial because we're going to continue this conversation about the association basketball and the great sport that it is. Is. I'm Major Garrett. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. For more from this week's conversation, download the Takeout Outtake Especial Tuesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. The Takeout is produced by Arden Farin, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, and Ellie Watson. CBSN production by Eric Susanen and Grace Seegers. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, visit takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News Radio. A lot of people spend a lot of money on things like skincare, fast fashion, and even surgery, all in the name of self improvement. But as the price of perfection rises, when is it time to call it quits? I'm Rima Hreis, host of This Is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace. This season, we dig deep into the financial trappings of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.